you know, I'm having, I was talking to, uh, to Benji earlier, this is the 17th year since the founding of Kol Yom Rishon, and I remember distinctly, um, Hai um, was always very taken by the advertising in the media at that time, the program is brand new, and after each summer, we took the summers off, we, the headline was, we're back. So number one, we're back, and we are back at the end of April, so mark your calendars, April 30th. Uh, we'll be hosting here at Yeshiva the finalists of the Chidona Tanakh, the 350 finalists, their families. We'll have two speakers that morning, Tokola Madrasha Yom Rishon, and we'll also be live streamed. Uh, it will be Professor Chaim Angel and Professor Nakama Price. So mark your calendars, and uh, if you're not on our email list, let us know. And I'll also remind everyone who's in the room to uh, take um, a copy of a new book that's been put out by the Reeds Press. Um, courtesy of uh, uh, Rabbi Daniel Feldman, thank you so much for uh, for making these available to everyone. It's uh, called Seasons of Mobility, produced by, by Professor Aaron Levine. And uh, for those on the live stream, if you would like a copy, you can send us an email and we'll be glad to send it to you. Okay, so with that, we'll begin our second year. Okay, thank you very much, Birushus uh, Rabbi Penner, Birushus Rabbi Dabrinsky, Birushus uh, Rabbi Feldman, Shlita. Um, and uh, members of the Arbusfeld family. It's a unique uh, privilege to be able to share Torah, L'Zecha Nishmas, Rabbi Hai Arbusfeld. I do not take it lightly that, uh, that my very title here in Yeshiva is bound up with the, uh, with the Arbusfeld family. And it's something that uh, Rabbi Arbusfeld, Zechard Levracha, made very clear to me exactly what that means. And we had a wonderful conversation where he described to me what his father meant to him and what the name of the chair that I held. I later found out it's not an actual physical chair, but it's a, uh, you know, but, but what the, uh, the chair that I hold uh, represents. And, uh, and it's therefore a very great honor each and every day. And it's a great honor today um, commemorating Rabbi Arbusfeld's yard site. Now, what I wanted to talk about today is a mitzvah in the Torah. Uh, the mitzvah of Ahavas Hashem, the mitzvah to love the Ribbon Shalom. So why do I want to talk about that today? Well, mostly because it's what I spoke about yesterday on uh, Shabbos Agadol. Uh, the packets that you have in front of you were from my Shabbos Agadol drasha yesterday. But why, why did I want to talk about it yesterday, I guess, is the, uh, the question. And uh, two things happened that made me think about the topic of Ahavas Hashem. Uh, particularly in the days leading up to Pesach. First thing that happened was about a month ago, I was in, less than a month ago, about two, three weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles for a Shabbos, and at the Kiddush, after davening, someone came over to me and said, "Uh, Rabbi, I have a question I I want to ask you privately. So he sort of like pulled me aside. And I was thinking, like, what kind of private question is somebody going to ask me? They have rabbis in Los Angeles also, from what I understand. So, uh, so he said, you know, I- I'm working on developing a greater sense of Avas Hashem. Do you have any etza, any advice about how to build a sense of love of God? And uh, caught off guard, I didn't have a great etza. I said a few things that came to mind. Not, nothing, nothing too profound, but it caused me to think. First of all, I was very moved that you have a person who's working on this. It happens to be a person who uh, just recently sold his company for like $500 million or something, meaning like he, he doesn't have to think about like, what am I going to do at work tomorrow? You know? like, but, but he has to think about, like, and this is what occupies his mind. Like, what, what, how do I work on Avas Hashem? And there's an inherent... I have, I have a few suggestions. 
suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I have to introduce them to you. So the the uh, so 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 the, the there are a few um, there are a few challenges in Avas Hashem. The most uh, fundamental challenge is that it's difficult to love somebody or something who you can't see, you can't touch, you you can't even have an image of because he doesn't have an image. So that, that that creates a challenge. And another challenge is how can we even how can the Torah legislate an emotion? There are people that are born with this innate sense of love of God, but there are others that are not born that way. So what does it mean that we have a tzivoy of an emotion that we're commanded to love the Rebbeinu Shem? So that's the first thing that happened was that conversation in Los Angeles. The second thing that happened was in the course of my learning, I came across the 46th parak of Sefer Atanya, of the Alter Rebbe's Tanya. And in Tanya, in the 46th parak, after discussing in the 44th and the 45th parak about how to develop Avas Hashem, in the 46th parak he says, you know, the real secret is the easiest way, the most direct way to develop a sense of love of God is by studying the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And he develops it even further in the 47th parak, where he says, and that's why Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is in Kriyashma, because Kriyashma is the place where we find the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, and it's a blueprint for how to build Avas Hashem through Kriyashma and by studying Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now, why does that work? Why would studying the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim build our love for God? So says the Balatanya that there is something that is fundamental to human nature, and that is there's a concept called Kimayim Panim El Panim, that we tend to reflect back the emotions that people send in our direction. That if a person loves us, we tend to love them back. If a person feels something strongly toward us, we tend to love You ever wonder why, if somebody were to say to somebody else, if a man were to say to a woman, uh, I love you, and she does not say it back. Well, why is that insulting? What if she just says, Good, shine, all right, you should. It's a, sounds right. You know. well, why, is that, why is that insulting? Why is that hurtful? Because it's against human nature. Human nature is that if someone expresses love to us, we express it back. We, we express it right back at them. So says the Balatanya, you know the best way to, 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 to develop a sense of avas Hashem is to realize how much Hashem loves us. And the best way to realize how much Hashem loves us is by looking at what he did for us. He, he performed Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And the Balatanya says it so dramatically. He says, you know, this would be true even if it were two equals, and that, that one uh, expressed love to the other. But he writes, if you look in source number one in the third paragraph, he writes, V'nezehu teva hanog b'midas kaladam afim shneim shavim b'mayla Even if they're both equal in terms of their stature, but Val Achas Kama Vakama in Melagodal Virav Mara Avasa Gedolovatsuma Liish Hediot Vinivzo Shvala Nashimu Manuval Mutal Biashma. Can you imagine if a great exalted king were to express this love to a low life, to a nobody who's in a dumpster somewhere? Viyori de Lovim Kum Kvodo in Kalsar of Yachtov, and he goes with his entire cabinet, his entire his, his entire entourage, and he goes to, to this Ashpa to find this low life. 
umekimo umerimo meashpaso, and he elevates him, he lifts him up from the ashpo machnisole chalo heichalamelech cheder lifnim micheder, and he brings him into the heichalamelech one room inside of another inside of another. Makom shein kolavid v'sar nichnas l'sham restricted areas. There are signs all the way unless you have security clearance, you're not allowed past this place. And the king brings this guy from the Ashba past each of those signs, another room, another room. And they really connect. They really feel a sense that they're together. The ava that that person, that previous low life, is going to feel toward the king. From the depths of his heart, without limit. If his heart was previously a heart of stone, it's going to melt and turn to water. It's just going to pour forward like water. The Ahava is going to flow to the Melech. And that's what we're trying to achieve on the Seder night. To appreciate all of the kindness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us, all of the love that Hashem showed for us, and the more that we appreciate the love that Hashem showed for us, the more we're going to be able to reflect that back. You know, the Gemara in Yevamas also says, Kemayim Panam Al Panam, the Gemara says, Zu Torah, which is interesting, because it doesn't only mean that our relationship with Hashem is Kemayim Panam Al Panam, that we reflect back the emotions that Hashem shows us, but that even our relationship with Torah is Kemayim Panam Al Panam, which is fascinating that the Torah itself gives back what you give to it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a really wonderful idea. You know, the, the, uh, I, I heard a shmooz that was given by Rav Resnick from the Mir Yeshiva last week in Boca Raton, Florida. Rav Efrem Goldberg sent me the recording. And Rav Resnick was talking about this idea that the Torah gives back what you give, what you give to, uh, to the Torah. And he said, I have two rayas. One raya is from the Sefer Menorah Samar. Sefer Menorah Samar is the Talmud of the Rush. It's in source number two. You can see it's a wild story. The Chavetz Chaim quotes this. And he tells the story. There was a guy that was all alone. And he used to learn Meseches Chagiga. And he would review Meseches Chagiga over and over again until he was so fluent in Meseches Chagiga. He knew nothing else in Shatz. All he knew was Meseches Chagiga. He would review it all of his life. And then he was Nifter. And he died alone in the house where he learned Meseches Chagiga his entire life. And no one was even aware that this person had passed away. And then a random anonymous woman shows up. And she's standing there, she starts crying. And she's groaning and she's wailing. Like a woman who just lost her husband. 
until everyone gathers together because she's she's carrying on. And they, she says to them, You need to be masked this person. You need to bury him with great honor. Honor is our own, and you'll merit olam haba. Because he honored me his whole life. I was never abandoned nor forgotten so long as this man was alive. All the women sat with her around his mitah. And they made a great hespid. And the men gathered together to take care of the proper kvura. And they buried him with great honor. And she was crying. Amrullah, they said to this woman, this random, anonymous woman who showed up, Who are you? What's your name? My name is Chagiga. And after the kvur of that chasid, the woman disappeared. And then they knew that it was Meseches Chagiga in human form that had come to give on. This is a story quoted by the Chavetz Chaim, the Menorah Samar, a Talmud of the Rush. I have no idea what to do with this story. But the sense that the Torah gives back, the Torah gives back what you give to the Torah. The other story Rabbi Rezek told, just incidentally, is that he said he was Zohar to one of his most Chashavah sons-in-law because the Torah gave back to him what he gave to the Torah. He said, what, what happened? He had a son-in-law, he says, he has a son-in-law, who was a, uh, grew up in Zichron Yaakov. And then his mother got remarried and, uh, when he was 21 years old and moved to Harnov. And he was like all nervous. I'm moving to Harnov. I'm like about to start Shiduchim. No one knows who I am because I'm moving from very far away. I don't know anybody. How's this going to work out? And on Erev Pesach, he was learning in the Yeshiva in Tifrach. And then on Erev Pesach, he went to a local shul in Harnov and he opened up a Gemara Yevamas. And he started learning, Bi'iyun. And he was learning all the most difficult sugyas in Yevamas with the beautiful nigin. And unbeknownst to him, two rows behind him was Rav Reznik's Chavrusa. Rav Reznik's Chavrusa sees this guy during Ben Asmanin. Ben Asmanin. You know, yeshivas during Ben Asmanin are not, it's not even yet Ben Asmanin. But it's not the same as it is, you know, the rest of the year. Ben Asmanin. And he wasn't just like, he wasn't learning like Arve Pesachim. He was learning Yevamas, like the hardest sugyas in Yevamas. So Reznik's Chavrusa calls him up. I guess on the kosher phone, and he says, I, I found the shidduch for your daughter. <laughs> Rezik said, the shidduch for my daughter? Why? Why do you, what makes you think you found the shidduch for my daughter? He said, this guy, he's learning Yavamas, the hardest sugyas, and he's learning. So Rezik said, I'm in, I'm interested. Just find out something about the family so I could sell it to my wife, but I'm interested. And then at the L'chaim, Rav, Rav Asher Arieli, who uh, gives the biggest shir in the world, the biggest live shir in the world, at least, today, in the Mir Yeshiva, Rav Asher said, you know who the Shadchan was? So he said, yeah, the Shadchan was my Chavrus. He said, no, the Shadchan was Yivamas. Yivamas was the Shadchan. The Torah gives back to you what you give to it. But, but we're not talking about the Torah, we're talking about HaKadosh Baruch himself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a sense of love and we're supposed to feel naturally, Kemayim Panam El Panim, that we want to reciprocate that love that Hashem shows to us. So what I want to do is talk about three things. Let's divide this into three parts. First, let's just talk about the mitzvah, the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. Then, let's talk about what does it look like when a person has Avas Hashem? Like, what are, what are the, the signs 
of a person who's successful in building a sense of Avaz Hashem. It's not like you have it or you don't. It's not like an on-off switch. Obviously, there's more Ava, less Ava, even more Ava. Right? I mean, it's not. Uh, it's, it's something that even if a person is born with an innate sense of Avaz Hashem, it could be developed and it could be nurtured and it could be grown. Obviously, but but what are the key signs of an Oyev Hashem? And then third, and probably most importantly, what are some Eitzas? How does a person develop a sense of Avaz Hashem? What should one be working on? In order to build the sense of Avas Hashem, so let's start with, with with the mitzvah to try to understand the mitzvah. Where does the mitzvah come from? So it's a pasuk that uh, probably we're all familiar with. We say it every single day, multiple times. Uh, just agav, I, I have to mention because I, I feel like uh, even if no one gets anything from anything else I say, there's going to be somebody who will pick up a particular hakpad in halacha that will grant them a mitzvah daraisa twice a day that they otherwise probably have never had their entire lives. have to mention, it's via hafta. It's not via hafta. So people say, well, what's the difference? I can't even hear the difference. Like, so let, let's, let, let's break this down a little slowly. Aleph hei beis, ahav, means? You know, love, right? That's an easy one. It wasn't a sure question, right? It means to love. Ahafta means what? Ahafta? It's again, not a true question. You loved. You loved, right? Ahafta is you loved. Avav at the beginning of a, of a word? Vav? And, right? So via hafta means and you loved. Is that what we're saying in Kriyashma? And you loved Hashem. Past tense. Now you had a falling out. But once upon a time... You loved Hashem. No, 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 that's, that, that's awful. I hope we're not saying that. If you say that, you're not Yotzei Kriyashma. So what, 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 what does the word mean? If it doesn't mean, and you loved. What it means is, and you shall love. You must love. You should love. You will love. It's a command. It's a tzivoy. What makes it into a tzivoy? It's a very simple. It's basic, tic, basic tiktok, right? Avav hahipuch. The vav takes it and turns it from past tense to future tense. How do you know if it's a vavahipuch or not? I know TikTok makes people heads explode, but this is really important. How do you know if it's a vavahipuch or not? It all depends whether it's mila'el or mila'ra. If the word is pronounced mila'el with the, you know, with the emphasis on the first syllable, on the earlier syllable, then it means, and you loved, past tense. If it's mila'ra, like most Hebrew words are, then it means, and you should love. You know, it's, it's hard for Americans because most words in English are mila'el. In Hebrew, most words are mila'ra. Like if you talk to someone, someone says like, oh, I'm so excited. Last week was opening day of the baseball season. It was, <laughs> I love baseball. Right? So, so you would know that the person's obviously not American. Right? I mean, you know, it's not baseball. But, but if a person has that, you know, sensitivity... So if you, and if you say it incorrectly, I heard from Rabbi Saul Reisman, he said, you know, if you say it incorrectly, you've never been Yotzei Kriyashma in your entire life. So, okay, so if you just get that, it was worth it, right? Worth coming, it was worth coming to Rabbi Penner, but that, that also, right? The, uh, the, the, just to be Yotzei, the mitzvah, the mitzvah of Kriyashma. Okay, but that's the basis of the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. The Sefer Achimuch listed as one of the six mitzvahs timidios. A person is supposed to constantly experience a sense of, uh, of Avas Hashem. So in order to understand what Avas Hashem is 
Uh, maybe it's it's Kedai to take a look at its twin mitzvah. There's a mitzvah that goes along with Avas Hashem, and that of course is Yiras Hashem. Right? In fact, when the Ramban in Hilchsi Sodei Torah describes Yiras Hashem, he, he binds it together with Avas Hashem. The Ramban writes, and the Marmakomas are a little bit all over the place, they're not uh, really in good orders, but uh, the Rambam is there somewhere. Hakel hanichbad va'anora hazeh mitzvah la'ahavo uli Ram says you have a mitzvah to love him and to have yira. Shenemar v'yahavta es Hashem elokecha v'nemar es Hashem elokecha tira. So the Ram describes. Okay, I have two pesukim: mitzvah vavas Hashem, mitzvah yira Hashem. Veheichi haderech la'avaso v'yiraso. How does a person achieve a sense of ava and yira? B'shal she'is born in ha'adam b'masav u'bruaf ha'nefloim ha'gedolim v'yira mehem chachmaso shein la'erech v'lokates. If a person contemplates nature. He sees what Hashem put into this world, and he sees the wisdom in nature. Who miyad who ohevu mishabeach who mefireu misavet taiva gedola leida Hashem agadol. Right away, he'll start praising Hashem, and he'll have this burning desire to know Hashem more. Kavoshenem Rabbi David Tzama Nafshi lelukim lekelchai. That David Amel says, "I thirst for a knowledge of Hashem." And says the Rambam, "Ukishem mechashiv b'dvarim elu atzman miyad hu nirta la'achorav v'yare v'yivchad." That when a person realizes that and thinks about these things, he'll, he'll take a step back, and and he'll be struck with a certain with a certain fear, a certain terror. Yiras Hashem. Now, people are afraid of a lot of different things, right? Some people are afraid of the dark. Some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of dogs. I'm afraid of one of those things. I'm not going to reveal which one. But let's let's say, let's imagine. Why would someone be afraid of a dog? What's what's the dog going to do? Why are you afraid of a dog? So I remember one of my children went to a play date when he was a little kid, and they had a dog, and they said, "Don't worry, he doesn't bite until he did, right?" And then he bit my kid. So that kid is fra- afraid of dogs, and by proxy. <laughs> so he's. Why are you afraid of a dog? Because it's going to bite you, or you think it will. Is, is that Yeras Hashem? Yeras Hashem is because he's going to bite you. I mean, lahav deal, whatever. But it's, it's because he's going to bite you. It's because he's going to punish you. It's because when you do something wrong, it, it's a type of Yeras Hashem. It's Yeras Onesh. Is that what the Rambam is describing? Certainly not. Right? The Rambam is not describing that type of Yeras. The Rambam is describing that you sense what a Kodesh Baruch Hu is capable of. You sense a Kodesh Baruch Hu's wisdom in, in putting the Bria into place. And there's a, what, what's called the Yiras Haromimus, a different kind of Yira. So, yeah, there is Yira of Scharva Onesh, but there's also Yiras Haromimus. Fascinatingly, when the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah talks about the mitzvah of Yiras Hashem, talks only about Scharva Onesh. It says, yeah, because if you do bad things, Hashem, you know, as we say to Gerus candidates while they're in the mikvah, do you believe that Hashem punishes those, Hashem rewards those who do his will and punishes those who do not do his will? It's Rabbi Ram's Nusuch, right? Part of it. That, 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 that's, that's what we say. And they say, yes, I believe that. I accept. I accept. That's Yiras HaOnesh. That's what the Ram highlights in Sefer HaMitzvos. But in, in Yisodei Torah, 
The Rambam highlights Yiras Haromus. Now, the fact that Yiras Hashem has to mean more than just Yiras Haonesh is evident in the Gemara. I mean, it's evident probably just you know logically and uh, intuitively, but it's evident in the Gemara. There's a famous Gemara, and I always hesitate to say a famous Gemara because uh, Rabbi Mori Slam, Zechariah Levracha, used to live around the corner from me, and he used to criticize me whenever I would say something is a famous Gemara. He said, "Famous to you, but if someone else didn't hear about it, you just made them feel foolish because they never heard about that Gemara, and if you made someone feel." small. You didn't accomplish your job as a rabbi. You should be inspiring people to feel bigger, not smaller. Well, I'm pretty confident about this one. This is a pretty famous Gemara. So the Gemara says, in that Shimon Amsuni, Vamila Nechemia Amsuni, someone whose last name was Amsuni, but we're not sure uh, who was. It was Shimon or Nechemia, spent his entire life darshaning Kol Esin Shabbatora. Every time the word S appears in the Torah, Aleph Taf, he darshaned a halacha from every single time it said the word S in the Torah. And he made remarkable progress. He got through Sefer Bereshah, Shemos, Vayikra, Bamidbar. First couple of parshas in Tevarim, and then he arrives at parshas Ekev, and he gets to S Hashem Elokecha Tira. That one should fear God. And he said, ah, what am I going to be marba with that S? What am I going to include beyond fear of Hashem that goes along with... There is no fear like the fear of Hashem. What can I put together with that? So Miyad Piri, she said, that's it. I, 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 I'm tearing up my life's work. His whole PhD thesis he's been working on for years of how to darshan every S. Because if one of them doesn't have a drasha, then none of them have a drasha. It's got to be consistent. And he tears it all up. Ad Rabbi Akiva... Until Rabbi Akiva came, Rabbi Tendler used to say, as a scholar in residence. And Rabbi Akiva said, but Rabbi Akiva, right? He came to the town, he was a scholar in residence. And Rabbi Akiva said, and this is the job of every scholar in residence, Rabbi Tendler used to say in the name of his father, to build up the rabbi. <laughs> Make sure you have you have mora of your Talmud Chacham, of your local Talmud Chacham. And that was like eye-opening. Oh, there is something to darshan from this S. Now, is that Yira that you're supposed to have for Tamil Chacham? That's Yira Sa'onesh? I mean, I've been privileged to uh, know Moreno Rabbeinu Al-Gon of Shechter Shlita for, for decades. He has yet to smack me across the face or to uh, tell me I'm an idiot, at least not to my face. You know, like he's, he's yet to uh, you know, punish me in any way. Yet, every single time I see him, I'm shaking a little bit. I still have to write down the questions in advance because my mind goes blank every time. Now, now why? Why does that happen? Does it happen because he's a Yiras HaOnesh? There's a Yiras HaOnesh of Tamil Chum? It's not a Yiras HaOnesh of Tamil Chum. The year of Tamil Chum is a, a Yiras Lahavdil, but a Yiras Aromamus. That standing in front of me is Kal Hatorukula personified, not just Mesech Chagiga, all of it, Kal Hatorukula personified. So there's a certain year that comes with that. So the Gemara, when it says that is obviously not talking about Yerusha Onesh, it could be that's what Shimonam Sunni Varmelin Nechemiam Sunni thought, and that's why he thought, I, I, I have nothing to, to learn from here. Because you can't be marbet tamid echavim until Rabbi Akiva straightened him out and said, "No, there's a concept of yiras haromus as well." It's interesting because uh, the Marsha points out if he got to Parshas Ekev, that means he already passed Parshas Veschanan, and in Parshas Veschanan you have v'yahavta es Hashem So that was okay. That was okay. He was okay with that. Why was he okay with that? Probably because 
love is something you can imagine. The rabbis, they can have that for an emotional connection to Yeah, that you can have. Yira, if it means Yira Sa'onesh, that bothered him a little bit. Now, though we have a stira in the Rambam, right? Meaning the Rambam on the one hand says that uh, Yira means in Yisodei HaTorah, Yira Sa'robimus. In Sefer Mitzvah, it's Yira Sa'onesh. Okay, so one can say there are two paths toward Yira Sa'shem. The Torah is interested that we should have Yiras Hashem. How do you get there? If you're on a certain level, you just have to be afraid of uh, Onesh. If you're on a higher level, Yiras Haromimus. The Panim Yafos, the author of the Hafla'a, the Sefer Al-Chumish, Panim Yafos, Rebbe of the Chassam, one of the Chassam Sofers, two Rebbeim, writes that, you know, it's interesting because Es Hashem al is a mitzvah. Mitzvah means a command. A lot of times mitzvah is mistranslated. People say mitzvah means good deed. Good deed is something that you choose to do. A command is something that you must do. Right? So it's a mitzvah, And yet we have a pasuk, What does Hashem shoel? What does Hashem ask of you? Oh, he asks for yira. Wait, says upon the he asks or he demands. So it, it could be that these two types of yira, one is a demand, the lower level is a demand. And if you're able to achieve that higher level, then it, then it's a request to try to try to aim for that. That scharva onesh, that's a demand. We ask that of every gerus candidate in the mikvah. Everyone, every Jew has to have at least that sense of yiras Hashem of scharva onesh. Got to have that. What does Hashem ask from you? What does He hope for from you? That you'll develop a more meaningful relationship and that there will be a sense of yiras haromimus. And it fits because the Rambam in Sefer Hamitzvos describes Yiras HaOnesh. The Rambam in Hilchus Yisori Torah, where he talks about philosophically what a relationship with God can look like, describes Yiras HaRomimus. So that's the twin mitzvah. There's the application to Avas Hashem fits very beautifully also, because there's a similar steer in the Rambam, in Avas Hashem also. In Hilchus Yisori Torah, the Rambam, we just read it before. The Rambam describes, how do you develop a love for Hashem? You see creation, and you see, you know, uh, the the Grand Canyon, and it's like wow, and you're overwhelmed, and it, and it builds that sense. I want more. I want to connect him. That's Avas Hashem. And yet, in Sefer Mitzvos, the Ram says, "What's Avas Hashem? You do the mitzvos. You learn Torah. That's Avas Hashem. It, it fits. Sefer Mitzvos. This is the minimum. This is what you must do. You must learn Torah. You must do the mitzvos." But, but if you're ready for a higher level of Avas Hashem, you can have this ecstatic sense of love for the Ribbon Shalom. And it's really borne out in, in the Birchus Kriyashma as well. The two Birchus Kriyashma prior to Kriyashma, we have a brach of Yotzer Or. Yotzer Or of Ori Choshech. Wow. Creation. And then we have we have the brach of Avaraba. Lilmo, Dulami, Lishmar, Lasos, Ulakayim to do all the mitzvahs. The Birchus Kriyashmar is setting us up for Biyahavta. You want to have Avas Hashem? There are two ways to have Avas Hashem. There are two paths to Avas Hashem. There's the bare minimum, Lilmo, Dolhami, Lishmar, Lasos, And then there's also this Avas Haromim, so to speak. The sense of being overwhelmed by the love of Hashem. So that's Aleph, that's part one. What does it look like if a person is in a way of Hashem? What kinds of midos does Noe Hashem have? So first of all, it's a person who gets emotional about Hashem. A person who has an emotional connection. The Rambam in Ilchus Tshuva Yud describes the ava haru'uya that a person should have. And the Rambam 
describes how how a person is lovesick with the Ribbon Shalom. He can't think about anything else. It's what occupies his mind all the time. He's obsessively thinking about Hashem. Sefer Achinuch similarly talks about Ro'i Lola Adam, that his thoughts should be toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything else you care about, whether it's money or kavod or family, hopefully not in that order, takes a back seat to the love that you have for Hashem. Rav Tversky Shlita spoke recently, I spoke together with him in Tinek, I love saying that, I spoke together with Rav Tversky, that's so cool. Rav Tversky spoke about a uh, an idea that's hard for people to hear. And uh, Rav Tversky's Nishemes, so he's going to say the truth whether it's easy to hear or hard to hear. And, and the idea is that there is one absolute in the entire world. See, we are very fortunate. We belong to a religion that emphasizes a great deal a sense of love for family, a sense of love for our spouses, for our children, for our grandchildren. And usually 99.9999% of the time, practicing that love to the max degree is also working toward Avas Hashem and working toward our relationship with Hashem. But there's only one absolute in the world and that's the Rivon Shlomo. The Rambam in Hilchus Yisodei Torah, the Rambam describes at the very beginning of Yala Chazak in Hilchus Yisodei Torah, Aleph Aleph, Yisod HaYisodos Va'amud HaChachmos Leida Sheyesha Matsui Rishon Vu Mamsi Kala Nimtza Vekala Nimtzaim Min Shamayim Va'aretu Ma Beinehem Lo Nimtzu Ela Meyamitas Imatzo Everything that exists, exists because Hashem exists. He's the only absolute in the entire world. It's, it's, it's hard because it's hard to feel that way. It's hard for a person to like really emotionally feel that way. You know, I, I, I was preparing a drasha, Navas Hashem. So what do you do if it's 2023 20, and you're preparing a drasha, Navas Hashem? You Google it, right? I Meaning I needed stories. So I Googled Avas Hashem stories, Hebrew and English. Sipurim, Avas Hashem, I Googled it. I got tons of stories about Avas Yisrael. Nothing about Avas Hashem. There aren't any stories about Avas No one tells stories about Avas Hashem. We've gotten to a point where the mushal that the Rambam uses is muvan, we understand it, we relate to it, and the nimshal is, is forgotten. What we're supposed to derive from there, what Avas Hashem is supposed to look like, but we're supposed to develop that emotional, that emotional connection. And when a person has that emotional connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, what do we celebrate about Avram Avinu bringing Yitzchak to the Akedah? If not a, a, a situation where that point zero 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 one percent of the time where Ava of a child conflicted with Ava of the Ribbon Shalom. And we celebrate that Avram chose God. It's like, I don't think about that. All's well that ends well. But, but Avram didn't know it was going to end well. He chose God. That's Avas Hashem. And the Seder night is meant to, 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 to develop and create this emotional experience, singing and, and experiencing together the, the embrace of the Ribbon Shalom. You know, the, the Chasim Sofer has a, uh, has a, a hakdama to his Chuvas and Yeridea called Pituche Chosam. In Pituche Chosam, he discusses what's the mitzvah to do Kiruv? 
Why is it that if someone is not so religiously observant, we have a, a, an obligation to try to encourage and develop a greater sense of religious observance in people? Where does it say that in the Torah? There are a lot of personal obligations in the Torah. Where does it say in the Torah they have to help develop a sense of, of, of someone else's religious personality and religious connection? So the Chassam Sofer says, what are you talking about? The Gemara in Yuma says that the way you live your life should be a catalyst for someone else's Avas Hashem. That someone will see how we live our lives and they're going to love Hashem more. That's the mitzvah of Kiru. That's the mitzvah of, of embodying and, and developing this sense of emotional love. Another way that Chazal seemed to see Avas Hashem or a simon of Avas Hashem is the Sifri points out, when you do mitzvahs, don't do it for ulterior motives. Do it because you love him. Not because you want, you're going to get kavod, or you're going to get money, or you're going to get, you know, you'll fit in better in your family or in your community. Do it because you love him. The Ramam says, is to be osa emes mepre shehu emes. You do the truth because it's true. And by the way, going back to that theme, if the way I express my love to Hashem is by doing things because they are right and because they are best for Him and not best for me necessarily, not because I'm going to gain from it, then I probably have to assume that when Hashem expresses His love to me, it's not because it's best for Him, it's because it's best for me. Even things that seem not so great, I have to trust that Hashem is doing it because He loves me. A third way to be able to measure whether a person has Avas Hashem, Mesiris Nefesh. How much are we willing to give up for the Ribbon Shalom? Right, Penner mentioned before Shabbos, right? How Shabbos was Mesiris Nefesh for so many Jews throughout history to, to lose their jobs every week, to, to give up, forget about losing their jobs, to give up on, on one day of income which meant that they weren't necessarily sure where the money was going to come from to eat the next day. Jews weren't always so affluent. Shabbos involved a tremendous Mesiris Nefesh. Rotorsky pointed out in that drasha that there's a Chuvas Rashba that says that every time you say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad, a person should think to himself, and if it came to it, I'd give my life for the Ribbon Shalom. I'd be Moser Nefesh. That's the closest we should ever have to come to actually being Moser Nefesh. But it should be Yitzchus to think about that. Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad means I'd be willing to give my life for the Ribbon Shalom. There's a beautiful B'nai Yisachar about how Shabbos is a way to express Avas Hashem. I was at a chasana last week and I, uh, I sort of Moshe Tzvi Weinberg so what do rabbis say the week before Shabbos Agadol when you meet at a wedding? Oh, what are you talking about Shabbos Agadol? So I said, Avas Hashem. He said, oh, Bnei Saskar, Ahava b'chal lev, b'chal nefesh, b'chal ma'od, kematria Shabbos. Wow. I didn't check, but I don't want to check. I don't want it to be wrong. Ahava b'chal lev, b'chal nefesh, b'chal ma'od, is Shabbos. And the person experiences Shabbos, there's a sense of mysterious nefesh. That's, that's the ultimate Ahava. And a fourth, a fourth measure whether a person has Avas Hashem, is do we only do the bare minimum? Or do we also perform discretionary acts for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The stipler has a beautiful piece in Birchus Peretz. Birchus Peretz is a Sefer on Chumash. 
He has a nice divrei Torah, and then in the back he has a bunch of gematrias, like crazy gematrias. Like a gematria of an entire Rashi on Chumash. There's a gematria of like a Paschim Tehillim, and like he puts them together. Rabbi Simon said that he once, uh, he once met the stipler, and we said, we, I remember when I was in Rabbi Simon's share my early admissions here, we said, what did you ask the stipler? He said, I asked him, where do you get those crazy gematrias from? <laughs> and the stifler, we said, what did he tell you? He said, he looked up and he said, Lemaynaf Kamina. <laughs> that was it. But, uh, but in Birchus Peretz, he has these beautiful divrei Torah. And one of the things he has is he talks about that there are certain mitzvahs that are discretionary. Dafyomi just made a siyum on, on Nazir. It's amazing. We will not have a hard time in Erev Pesach finding people to make a siyum for, uh, for Bechorin. Dafyomi just finished Masechus Nazir this week. So uh, Masech, the whole Masechta is about an optional thing. It's about a mitzvah that you could just choose not to do. In fact, most people choose not to do it. The whole Masechta. Why is it? Why do we have such a thing like that? A mitzvah that is discretionary? Why would Hashem give us Torah with divrei rishos? If it's important, you should mandate it. And if it's not important, it doesn't belong. So Stipus says, because to develop a sense of avas Hashem, it develops in a similar way to how we develop a sense of love for another person by doing that which is discretionary. Yeah, there are obligations. A husband has toward a wife, for example. There are obligations you have in the household that you need to do. But that doesn't build... I mean, that's the foundation. That It has to be done. It has to be there. But then there needs to be more. There needs to be things that are just because. And when you do those things, that develops a sense of ava. So says the disciple, we need a Torah that has such a thing as a carbon nedava, that has such a thing as truma ba'ayin yafa, that has such a thing as tefilas arvis rashus, because we need avenues to be able to express ava in discretionary manners. The Chavetz Chaim discusses a remarkable comment of the Chavetz Chaim. My son on the way in today told me that Rav Wilkinson has the same vart in, uh, in Bayez Light in one of the essays that they wrote up from Rav Wilkinson. But it's a Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim quotes this. That Shaul HaMelech, after the Melchama of HaMelech, allowed one person to live. The king, Agad. And uh, the Pasuk says, because of that, Vayas HaRab Hashem. He did evil in the eyes of God. Says so Chavetz Chaim, wait, what he, what he, his misstep was in what he didn't do. He didn't kill the king. That was his problem. He wiped out the rest of Amalek the way he was supposed to. He was supposed to do that. That which he did was tov be'enei Hashem. It's that which he didn't do that was ra be'enei Hashem. How could the Pasuk say vayas hara be'enei Hashem? It's that which he didn't do that was ra be'enei Hashem. Remarkable diuk. Says the Chavetz Chaim. If there's a mitzvah in the Torah to destroy an entire nation, men, women, children, animals too, it should create some tension, no? A person should feel a certain sense of tension. If you don't, you're a psychopath. Pretty safe to say. Why would a person follow through on that? Because he's doing kasher tziva Hashem. Because you're doing exactly what Hashem commanded. The second you're involved in such an act, and you don't do kasher tziva Hashem, Shaul HaMelech is now on trial for hundreds of thousands of murders. Because if he didn't do the whole thing, kasher tziva Hashem, well then what about the rest of it? 
The rest of it is against everything the Torah stands for. It's only mutter because it's kasher tziv Hashem. Vayas hara Hashem was all of the other killings of the rest of the people of Amalek. A person has to be willing to be Moser Nefesh and to do things because we're supposed to do them. And, and a final uh, way of being able to tell if a person has a sense of Avas Hashem. Typically, when a person, has, the Mesut Sharm writes this in Parakitess, that if a person loves Hashem, they will not be able to tolerate Chil Hashem. If you really love somebody and they're under attack, it will bother you to no end. Right? When uh, your Rebbe is attacked in the newspapers or something like that, it bothers you to no end. You cannot sleep. When your family is under attack, it bothers you to no end, even if it's not personal to you. If you genuinely love somebody, it will eat you up alive when there's a chilul of that person. And, and Kavachomer, if you genuinely have Avas Hashem, chilul Hashem would be something that's intolerable. That's why the Medjish Rabbah in Bereshis lists being a Kanoi as one of the ways to express Avas Hashem. Kanoi is not something that's popular. It's not something that we uh, normally think of as like... There was a big Kanoi who was a graduate of our yeshiva, actually, who didn't go around advertising it, I don't think. Rabbi Victor Miller is the Kronel of Racha. He was known as a tremendous Oif Hashem. He wrote a book that he never published. After he died, they published it. It was probably a terrible mistake to publish it, actually. But he wrote a book and he put it in a desk drawer. An entire book, carefully prepared. And the subtitle, I forget what the title was, but the subtitle was, In Defense of God in the Matter of the Holocaust. Why God was Right. He wisely never published it. Even a Kanai like it. Wisely never published it. What, drove, what drives a person to write that book? Why would you write a book like that? What drove him to write that book was he lived through a generation where there was enormous chilul Hashem. People were angry at God. People were abandoning God. People were speaking not nicely about God. He had to do something. Again, wise enough not to publish it, but, but he had to at least prepare it. You know, I'm reading a, uh, the art, art scroll came out with a biography of Chaim Kanievsky. I don't recommend it. Not because, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine, you know. It's just like there's nothing you're going to be able to take from there and incorporate into your life. I mean, the man lived in like a different stratosphere, a different world. It's like, you know, stories like, and then when he woke up from his nap, he made a him because he finished the entire Masechus Arachin in his dream. You know, like, like, these are not like things that we're going to like do, you know. But there was one story that really resonated with me. It says in, in, in that book that, you know, on the first day of preschool, a parent brings the kid and there's like something called separation anxiety. If you bring the child and you just leave, you drop off the kid, you know, shove him out of the car, bye, I'm leaving. And it was the first day of school, the kid's going to cry. So what do they do? So I remember when my kids started the JCC preschool, my wife had the first day of school, the school was one hour with mommy. My wife had to take a whole morning off from work to go and sit in the preschool classroom with the child. Second day of school, two hours. First hour with mommy, second hour with mommy. Right? They, they ease the child into it. What do they do in Bnei Brak? On the first day of Cheder? Mommy can't come. There's a Rebbe there. Right? What, what do they do in Bnei Brak? So in Bnei Brak, the Tati comes. So Tati comes with the child and spends a little time in the class, sits in the back of the classroom. The kid can look back and see that Tati's still there. And then, uh, you know, Tati leaves after some time. An hour after his oldest son's first day in Cheder, Rav Chaim is the only Tati in the back of the room. He's sitting there with the Gemari's learning. 
his kid sees he's there, and the Rebbe sees Reb Chaim Kanievsky is the only one there. So he goes over to him and says, Reb Chaim, you can leave. He said, no, but if I leave, my son is going to cry. So he said, oh, well, I'm sure you saw that when all the other fathers left, their son cried for like a minute. I gave him a lollipop and they were fine. He said, yeah, but I don't want my son to cry for a minute either. Like, why is that acceptable? Why should, why should he cry for a minute? He stayed for a full week in the back of the classroom. All of his children said minimum of four days with all of them. He said, I understand why other fathers don't do it because they can't learn as well in the back of the classroom as they can in the kollel. But he, was, he had this incredible power of concentration. He would like be learning and his gra- grandchildren, great-grandchildren would be running around, footballs would be hitting his head and like he, wouldn't even, he wouldn't even notice. Uh, he had this incredible power of concentration so he was able to do that. But why should he cry even for a little? There's a certain sense of ava in I just, I don't want to see pain for the other person. Ava Hashem is sometimes reflected in serious Nefesh. So now, now to the to, you know, bottom line. How do we achieve Ava Hashem? So let's try it. I'll try to move this quickly. First of all, what we do, and, and by the way, if you were writing out you know, a, a plan for how to achieve Avas Hashem, and all the things Chazal identify as a way to achieve Avas Hashem, you'd be writing out the Seder. You'd be, you'd be writing everything that we do at the Seder. Four things. Number one, you think of Hashem's kindness with us. You think about all the good things Hashem did, Kemayim Panam El Panam, just like the Alter Rebbe said in the, that first piece of Tanya that we, uh, that we learned about. The night of the Seder is purely about Hakar Satov. It's not only what Dayenu is about, it's what everything is about. The whole story is the goodness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did with us. I love to read different Agadas of Gedolei uh, HaAchronim, where they highlight a theme that runs through the Seder, and most of them go with Hakar Satov. Some with Avas Hashem, the goal of the Hakar Satov. But most go with Hakar Satov. That the whole purpose is Hakar Satov. Whenever I talk to the Talmidim about Hakar Satov in Yeshiva, I always give the same example. High Arbisfeld used to say, it wasn't a secret, he didn't just say it to me, he told it to, to a lot of people, that he spent 11 years in Yeshiva without paying a dime of tuition because his father was a house painter, I think he said, and he didn't have any money. And therefore, he committed that before he leaves this world, he's going to give $11 million to the yeshiva. $1 million for each year. $1 million for each year. And then he said, when he was sitting at that meeting, when they were introducing me as the director of Smicha, he said, Why should our Satov have a limit? It should only be 11. It's going to be 12. Because our Satov doesn't have limits. It's remarkable. Okay, not everybody can do that in that way, but we can feel that way. To feel that sense of Akar Zatov. Remarkable. Second way that a person achieves Avas Hashem, not only to think about the good, and by the way, this works in, in marriages, it works in relationships, but as what the Rabbim described, appreciate the wonders of God. Appreciate the miracle that is the Grand Canyon. Appreciate the miracle that is the human eye. You know, Darwin, there's a beautiful quote from Darwin where he said, to suppose that the eye with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I confess, absurd in the highest degree. Uh, Of course, he was Darwin, so it was, but, you know. But the human eye kept Darwin awake at night. 
to think about what God does. And what do we do on the Seder night? We talk about the miracles that God does. We appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does in this world. And it develops a sense of Avos Hashem. Third and most basic and fundamental, tefillah. Rabbi Pedro could speak much more eloquently about this than I can. And I'm sure he could identify for you where we have tefillah throughout the Seder. But certainly in the bracha of Asher Ga'alanu, we, we not only uh, say a bracha about the gu'ula that happened, it's a tefillah for a future gu'ula. Certainly the way we end, L'shana Abba B'Yushalayim, is a tefillah for a future gu'ula. If you want to have Avas Hashem, you need to talk to Hashem. And, and sometimes, most of the time, it's formal. And, and the avodas, as a friend of mine put it to me yesterday, the avodah is not always to say what you feel, but it's to feel what you say. Chazal put the words there, the Anshik Nesachadol put the words there, they knew what they were doing, we have to learn how to feel those words. But sometimes, even informally, just to say, I love you, Hashem. We mentioned Rav Victor Miller before. They said Rav Victor Miller, when he was walking, he used to walk a lot. When he was walking to Yeshiva, every once in a while, he'd go into a phone booth, a thing that used to exist. And if he wanted to say, I love you, Hashem, he'd go into the phone booth and he'd just pick up the phone and say, I love you, Hashem. And he, he didn't want to look like a lunatic just screaming in the streets, I love you, Hashem. To actually say, next time you see a child that does uh, something that gives you nachas, just take a moment and say, I love you, Hashem. That you love the Rebona Shalom for what he does. And it's important to say it because when you say it, you feel it more. It builds up. It's not just a description of that which you're feeling. It makes you feel it. It builds that sense of Avas Hashem. Rabbi Saul Reisman said that he once had a, a young couple that was struggling with Shalom bias issues come to talk to him. And the woman says, my problem is that my husband never tells me he loves me. And the guy said, I don't understand. When we were engaged, I told her that I love her. Until further notice... That's missing the boat, right? Meaning we need to say it. When we say it, we feel it better. We feel it more when we say it. The other person feels that it's true. And Kemayim Panam Al Panam, it will be reciprocated. And the fourth and final way we express Avos Hashem, the Safri writes, is Talmud Torah. We learn a Baruch autobiography. In fact, Rafutner has a beautiful mimer in Pachad Yitzchak, where he says that's the secret to that Rambam in Yesodei Torah. The, the answer to the stira, the Rambam Misoda Torah says, you see God's Bria and you're amazed and you, and you have some anafshi, you have this desire, a type of to come closer, to come closer, to know Hashem. But then the Rambam leaves you hanging. How? How? How do I know Hashem? How do I do it? So in Sefer Mitzvahs he says you learn Torah. And that's how you know Hashem. The Torah, the Torah is Hashem's autobiography. You want to know Kodesh Baruch you engage in Talmud Torah. So Pesach is a time of great love from Hashem. That's why we say Shir Hashim on Pesach. And we should contemplate how to enhance our Avas Hashem and use many of those same tools to enhance our Avas Abrios as well. We need love among different segments of Kal Yisrael now more than we ever did. So let's review. We spoke about Hashem's great love for us and how studying Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim will build our love for Him. We analyzed two types of Yiras Hashem, the fear of punishment and the appreciation of the awesomeness of Hashem. And we discovered that there are two types of avas Hashem as well. Love expressed through mitzvos and love expressed through obsession. We then discussed several pictures of what avas Hashem looks like. Obsessive love, doing things with no ulterior motive, mesiris nefesh for the other, performing discretionary acts, and defending the honor and feelings of, of the other. And finally we gave Eitzah on how to achieve avas Hashem. Through consciously looking for the good He does, through studying the Neflaus Habore, 
through tefillah and through Torah. Let me conclude with one last. I buried the lead over here a little bit. Because the way most people develop Avas Hashem, the way it actually happens in most people's lives, is by having exposure to Ohave Hashem. By being connected to people who are Ohave Hashem. See, I, in my, my life personally, was Zoha to an unusual, unusual bracha. For the first 45 and a half years of my life, I had a grandfather who was the greatest Oif Hashem I ever met. That's a long time to have a grandfather in your life. So it's, it's like an unfair advantage because all I heard about was someone who went through the Holocaust, lost his wife in her 50s, lost a daughter in her 40s, went through Gehenna a thousand times, and all he could say was how much he loved Hashem and how grateful he was to the Rebbe Shalom. It's an unusual advantage. But we all have those advantages somewhere in our lives and in our families. And we tell the stories of those who aren't here and we attach ourselves to those who are here. Because that ultimately is going to lead us down all of these paths toward Abbas Hashem by connecting with the Ahav Hashem. So I wish everyone a Chakash V'Sameach filled with that warm feeling of love between you and the Rebbe Shalom and your families. I am.